Yeah, sure. So my name, as um, Lashanti already introduced me, is Ayumi Kuramai. Okay, so as Lashanti already introduced me, my name is Ayumi Kuramai. I live and work on Seiba, which is a tiny little Caribbean island. You can barely see us in our world map, but we are a very interesting island. And I work for this organization called Seiba Conservation Foundation. And within this organization, there's a small unit called the Seiba Bank Management Unit. And I work mostly in that small unit because it covers the Sabre Bank National Park. And that all falls under the exclusive economic zone of the, the, the Dutch Kingdom. Nice. And what is your title at your organization? Okay, so my official title would be the science coordinator working for the Sabre Conservation Foundation. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to this role that you're in today? Did you always know that you wanted to work in marine protected areas? To be honest, very honest, no. I, My first choice, you know, as a kid, you always start with greater, greater ideas. You look up to your uh, family. So first it started off as becoming an orthodontist. Then, yeah, completely <laughs> different field. Still biology, but not marine biology. Then I got interested in graphic design. Wow. And eventually during that time, when I was a teenager, I started to learn how to do scuba dive thanks to my parents. And that's how I slowly started to flow into marine biology and then towards fisheries. So this is where I am right now. I was always quite fascinated about the marine life. Um, I used to read as a kid because I was also learning how to speak Dutch. And the best way to do that was by reading books. So I used to go to the to the library every weekend or at the end of the week, and I would pick up these books called Searching for Dolphins. So that's how, already how my interest got triggered towards the marine life, and then eventually adding up to scuba diving. That's how I got fully into the marine biology, and that's where I am right now. Yeah, so scuba diving will always do that. I think once you scuba dive and you enter this new world, it inspires you and you just can't shake it out your system and you just have to you have to do something about the ocean. But can you tell us a bit about how the MPA Connect Network has benefited your work at Seba? So Seba, as I explained to you before, is a very small island. So we are very secluded. We um, for us to even be able to get off island is quite challenging. So to even get to know other people in the same field can be quite challenging. And thanks to the MPA Connect, um, we were able to bring different experts and marine park managers from the surroundings, from the region to our island and to learn more about them. And that's definitely how MPA Connect has been benefited our work. Can you tell us a bit about a workshop you did a few years ago? Um, it was related to fisheries management and it was a peer-to-peer -peer workshop that you did for the MPA Connect Network. Yeah. So. That workshop was hosted in 2018, and it was a great learning experience for me as well, since I just started um, on my job. And to get to know all these different managers, but also to learn that everybody kind of is facing the same, um, how to explain this, the same challenges. Mm -hmm. And um, it was a great way to connect with them, to discuss how they would see the possible solutions to make their MPAs more connect, um, more effective and more connected. And um, it was also a great way to explain how our work is being done and how we got this far with, for example, with fishermen, 
gaining the trust from fishermen and how we are getting um, the data from fishermen as well. So really that has opened eyes, but we learned a lot of different methods as well from other MPA managers on how to work more with fishermen and gain even more of their trust. So can you tell us a bit about how you've built trust with the fisher folk around your MPA? So I think many uh, MPA managers will agree with me. They are different kind of uh, community. Uh, they have their own language, their own way of doing things. And to gain their trust, you really need to be able to understand them. So to gain that trust, you really need to be able to go with them on board, talk to them when they're in their own elements, when they're doing, you know, their work in their environment, they will feel also more comfortable talking with you. And for you experiencing how their life looks like in the day-to-day -day basis, that definitely builds that, that trust between you and the fishermen. Also just be open. Don't, I know that for managers usually comes with a lot of, you know, regulations and rules, but still, you got to keep yourself open to whatever you're listening to from fishermen, their stories. And from there, you can pick out slowly what might be missing, what might be your advantage and go from there. Yeah, I think it's always important to know that, you know, we as conservationists and marine biologists and anyone just working in that MPA management side, we have a part of the knowledge, but it's always so important to connect, right, with these fisher folk who are going out there every day. They're experiencing this environment in a different way than we see it. And, and I always love to hear stories of how those two things kind of come together and, and you're able to move forward and do the greater good for what the environment needs. Um, would you say that you have any like cool stories from one of these trips that you went out on? Um, well, what I love about going with fishermen is, of course, to hear the stories about how it used to be back in the days and how they perceive the future for fisheries. I think that's uh, the most interesting part. But also, they experience the environment, like you said, so differently, and they can point out at things that you usually, as a marine park managers, would never pay attention to. Those little details like... Um, if they see a fish swimming and they can see ripples on the water, they can already tell you like, oh, I can see that it's this fish by the way it's swimming, by the way it's jumping. And mm -hmm. those are small things you learn really by going with the fishermen. And I think that's super interesting. And of course, um, you get to see other animals that you usually wouldn't pay attention to. So for example, different crabs, you know, especially small animals, um, especially those that get trapped in the buoys or ropes and they come on board and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, this is super interesting. I would have never paid attention to. Yeah. How would you say um, for people who may, other MPA managers who may not be able to get out on some of these boats with the fisher folk, would you have any suggestions on maybe ways that they can still maybe connect with these fisher folk? I'd say here in the Caribbean, grab a beer, go to a bar <laughs> and talk to them. <laughs> Definitely. You know, um, I think most of the fishermen are quite open. You just need to catch them at the right moment and just be open to the conversation. Just listen. By listening, you can learn a lot from those fishermen. Definitely. 
I've always found that it's also so important to be consistent, right? Like instead of just saying, oh, we need information to do something in particular for like a project or something, right? And you just only go to them when you need things. Mm -hmm. it, it, it never fosters a good relationship. So it's always so important to just be consistent and and build this relationship throughout the years just because it'll always end up making for better MPA management, right? Yes. No, you're very right. I agree with that. Um, that's why we also have a monitoring program where we go every day to check the fishermen. So basically you collect the data, but at the same time you talk to them and just by asking, hey, how, how are you? How was your day? Did you have a good catch? If not, why? Um, you know, spend a little bit more time. Don't come only for the data, like you said. You know, we come only for, oh, we need this, and then there's no feedback. And mm -hmm. I think the feedback, the consistent feedback is very important. Definitely. I agree with you. Oh, I love that. I, I think daily monitoring programs are really good. So I was told that you have a very well-manicured online presence when it comes to conveying things in the marine world. Can you tell us a bit about how you got into even joining on with sponsorships and just getting... Um, the social media aspect of the marine world on there. Right. So I figured that would have been the best way for Seba to be more exposed since, um, well, you can barely see us in a world map, right? And nowadays people are so much more connected through social media. And I figured that would have been the best way to connect. Um, yeah, I think it's also very interesting for the public to have a visual idea of what you're actually doing. So fisheries management, it's quite broad. And if you actually show what fisheries management actually is, it is maybe not, it, is, it isn't only, for example, you know, measuring fish, talking to fishermen, it there's so much more around it. For example, uh, removing ghost traps and many people don't really have a good idea of what a ghost trap looks like. So Together with my team, we really try to make videos from that or pictures and make sure we put it out there for people to start understanding more what kind of work we are actually doing. So what would be your top tips for an MPA manager who wants to build this online presence? Okay, so consistency, like you said, <laughs> very important. Um, start to think about if you think about fisheries management or a certain concept or term, what do you picture in front of you? And if that's what you picture in front of you, go ahead, go outside into the field and try to get that picture to show to the public and make it a little bit more personal because if it's too theoretical, too with too many different uh, difficult terms, then it's gonna be also very difficult for the public to understand. So you wanna keep it simple for sure and easy to understand because that's what's gonna catch most people's attention. I love how you said that, you know, like picture it in your mind. Like when you think of fisheries management, what do you see? And then go out there and try to capture that image. Because I feel a lot of times when MPA managers who have like pretty much like no communications experience, all you think is just take a picture, take a picture, take a picture. But it really, a picture is nothing without a vision, right? Like what, what message are you trying to convey? And so that was a really great way to put that. I really liked that. Um, but so what would, as far as being in the MPA Connect network, what are some of the things besides raising the profile of SABA, would you say has benefited you from being involved? Well, MPA Connect for me, it's this great network of a lot of experts and sharing knowledge is the most important thing. And I think that's what MPA Connect is so important for us. Uh, for example, if we need 
any advice on lobsters, snappers, sharks, anything you can think of, there's always a certain expert in MPA Connect that will be able to, you know, help you out. And I think that's really a beautiful thing about MPA Connect. So I'm going to put you on the spot. <laughs> Can you give an example of a time where you needed to use the network to, to reach one of these experts on a particular issue or challenge? Yes. So especially nowadays, since we're dealing with the stony coral tissue loss disease, we are still fairly new to it. So um, definitely reaching out to MPA Connect uh, managers, for example, Emma Doyle, she was able to refer me to another um, expert who is really knowledgeable about how to recognize it, how to treat it, how to prevent it might spread a little further. And um, definitely, that's definitely one of the, the times that we use the, that connection, yeah, of experts. Yeah, that's a great example, especially like you said, that's such a relevant issue. I think a lot of the Caribbean is already facing stony coral tissue loss disease or it's coming, right? Because this is spreading so fast. So so being in this network of communication that's maybe a little bit faster than disease, you know, we may be able to find the cure before it wipes out, you know, most of the coral in the Caribbean. Yeah. So definitely a great way to use the network. And I yeah, this I because I also benefited from the FA Connect network. So it's really great to hear other people's stories about it. Um, but if you can give maybe some final thoughts for other MPA managers who are watching, maybe lessons you learned in the field or throughout your time in working in MPA management, what would be that like one or two things of advice that you would tell them? Okay, so this is also what I tell most of my students. Um, and this is something I've learned through the years. I've been here for four years and um, cultures are different. And my mentality from the start until now was definitely uh, more focused on to plan, 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 um, plan, stick to it, and you'll be successful. But the truth is, it isn't. <laughs> Flexibility is actually key to success. And that's one of the messages I always try to give to students and anyone else that I get to learn new, mm -hmm. uh, but also now for other MPA managers, really flexibility is key to success. You got to be able to bend and, you know, stretch a little bit here and there to be able to reach your um your goal and definitely don't be afraid to make a bigger turn you know to reach your goal sometimes you gotta go maybe more steps can be more uh successful than you know one straight line i like that one don't be afraid to make a big turn because you know, we always yeah. try to go the shortest route the most direct exactly. route but yeah oftentimes with mpa management you have to kind of sometimes an extra step is needed to get to the goal that you were originally thinking is a straightforward route so that's exactly yeah <laughs> so the last question of the episode which is of course the most fun one you can pick whichever seabird you want but who do you think would win in a fight between a seabird and an octopus Oh, okay. That's a good one. Yeah, no, definitely. This one makes you think. Um, okay, so I'd say the octopus would win. I'm a big fan of octop octopi, and um, these are such smart animals. And I'm pretty sure most of us have already seen my octopus teacher. And there's <laughs> this beautiful scene where an octopus is trying to defend itself from a shark. And it learns how to use shells to, you know, cover itself to camouflage. And then it actually even crawls on top of the shark. And I think that's an ability that, um, you know, not many marine animals have to think that way. Yeah. So that's why I'd say, you know, an octopus would definitely win. 
But for me, seabirds are also very, very interesting. They are, each one, every one of them is smart in their own way. So it depends on the setting too, right? <laughs> yes, I have heard many of them. It depends. Are they on land? Are they in the water? Like, where is this octopus exactly? But I feel like the octopus, yeah, whether you're on land or in the water, it's still like fair advantage of of a bird because yeah. some birds even dive right so maybe they can take on an octopus yeah, in the water for sure i find for example frigate birds they are super interesting they they're so um how maneuverable in the sky as well i mean put an octopus in the sky and <laughs> it, it wouldn't work right so <laughs> it really depends on which element and which setting we're talking about but um for me really the octopus um would win yes it does have that adaptability or that flexibility like you were saying you have to yeah. have with your plan right <laughs> exactly <laughs> working in the beginning you may need to adjust and try something different to get to, yeah, <laughs> to, get yeah. to that goal i'm pretty sure frigate birds have the ability to do so i mean they are um kleptomaniacs i think if, I, if i'm correct the term <laughs> <laughs> they love to steal stuff you know that's one way to to adapt to your environment because they can't touch water and by stealing other birds uh, food is also one way to become more smart <laughs> in your own way. yeah definitely well do you have any final thoughts for our viewers before we head on out um i don't think so <laughs> No. <laughs> well thank you so much for doing this episode with us i'm sure all of our viewers who are watching really took a lot of great tips especially about being on your online presence and really engaging with fisher folk and trying to build that connection connection trying to build that connection not just by you know anytime you have a project but that consistent relationship building so thanks so much for joining us on this episode of mpa connections no thank you and i hope to see you in the future Definitely. And for our viewers, you can stay up to date on our new episodes by following MPA Connect on Facebook, which is mpaconnect.caribbean, or on Instagram, mpaconnect underscore caribbean. So I will see you guys next time. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>